This is the Northern Miner Podcast, and I am Matthew Keevil. We are back the week of August 2nd. Everyone's coming off a long weekend, so there's a few sunburns. Get that aloe vera going. Uh, a few bleary eyes, I'm sure. Um, it was beautiful. It has been hot. Um, I just returned from Quebec, where the temperature on the thermostat says 31, but then you look at the humidex and it says feels like 42. So everyone back east, uh, I'm feeling you that humidity is a bit of a killer. Um, but yeah, so due to the fact we are currently in the summer sort of doldrummy period, or the dog days of summer, as the ancient Romans used to call it, based on the association with the dog star, <laughs> random factoid, um, but uh, we're doing a little bit of a different format this week. Um, Leslie and I have sort of been in and out of town. Uh, our schedules haven't really matched up too well. I've been on vacation. She's been on site visits. Um, so I am rolling solo this week, uh, but fortunately we do have some really cool sort of backlogged content uh, we've put together um, sort of to fill the uh, fill the gaps and just make sure that we keep up with uh, some value ads and uh, talk to some newsletter writers. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, some rare earths this week. We'll be talking about some lithium, some graphite. We will be uh, touching back a little bit of a retrospect uh, to our Yukon visit. Uh, that was two weeks ago, uh, mid-July, um, as everyone will know by now, especially our loyal listeners, who we love. We do love you. Um, we were in Dawson City. Uh, we had some really cool um, specialty podcasts. We did our At The Bar, um, and we had uh, a few newsletter writers sit down with us, including Joel Mazumdar from Exploration Insights. Uh, this week, uh, we'll be touching back on that a little bit, and I have Ben Kramer from Mining Wealth, uh, who will be rolling uh, a little segment with later in the show. And then uh, we'll be touching base again with uh, Gwen Preston from Resource Maven, our uh, our Northern Miner alum, who was nice enough to do a little uh, a little sit down with us at the Dawson Show as well. So we'll be running some of that as we move forward here uh, today. Um, but to start out, uh, as we usually do, I'm here so we can <laughs> move forward with our medals roundup. And things have been quite interesting, especially on the gold side. Um, we had a little bit, uh, if people recall, maybe, you know, early, mid-July, we had a bit of a pullback uh, gold uh, tracked closer to $1,300 an ounce. Over the long weekend or leading into the long weekend, I was actually out of town, so I had to get someone to fill me in on this. But uh, gold did surge Thursday, I believe, last week, Thursday, Friday. Um, so we are sitting at $1,363.30 an ounce at the time of recording. Um, silver backpedal a little bit, $19.66 per ounce copper has been pretty flat uh it did surge a bit um over the last month uh off the you know closer to two dollar range we have been around the 220 range and that's where we are today it's at two dollars and 19 cents a pound uh when i walked into studio here meanwhile west texas intermediate's been a little bit up and down between the 40 and 50 dollar mark um it is currently sitting at 48 dollars and 95 cents per barrel um so yeah what's going on uh as we said this is these are and as this show is titled the dog days of summer and uh as we know anything that happens between about july 15th and august 15th uh <laughs> we don't know how many people are actually in town i mean it's a good time to take a vacation let's not lie so if you do have some vacation time saved up weather's supposed to be gorgeous well in bc anyway i haven't checked our cross-country forecast but not a bad time to take a road trip I will not lie to you. Um, but uh, so let's get into a little bit. Um, 
Gold did climb to its highest in three weeks. Uh, this was largely driven by Japan releasing details of its stimulus package. Um, investors are also waiting for a uh, what, what they're calling a key U.S. jobs report uh, that's going to, well, we, we, Leslie and I touch on this like every week, shed some light on future interest rate moves. Um, once again, we're, you know, dealing with the double talk on interest rate rises. When is the next, uh, is it coming this year? Uh, you know, they originally said three to four interest rate hikes. We are still waiting for one. Um, so this has once again driven gold um, back, hurtling towards that $1,400 per ounce level, which is really good for, um, well, a lot of the juniors are starting to catch some traction now. Um, obviously, we had a, a big earnings, this is earnings season. So last week, we had a lot of the gold majors report as well, um, which I'll get into a little bit here. Uh, Selma in Toronto did a big roundup of some of the major gold um, results this quarter. Uh, so please do surf over to northernminer.com and check out that article. And while you're there, do browse our subscription options because it's a, it's a great deal and uh, got some good content coming out. As we mentioned previously, I did a bunch of video work in the Yukon with the government. We have some videos coming up in the next probably six to eight weeks. Um, we're doing some cool new stuff with the podcast. We are doing our minor moments. You might have caught those. Um, those are a little bit shorter snippets uh just uh quick hit interviews we'll do with some of the uh industry movers shakers newsletter writers ceos some analysts etc um so getting back really quick to our macro um so uh yeah what japan announced was uh 14.6 trillion yen or 45 billion in extra spending for this fiscal year um they're again seeking to bolster the economy so this is uh quantitative stimulus measures um because there's been a little bit of a back and forth between the Japanese government and their central bank. So that sort of indicated weaker, you know, weaker uh, economic conditions in one of Asia's largest economies, which is driving gold, then everyone's expecting relatively bad U.S. jobs numbers, I believe. Um, some of the recent uh, figures that have been reported um, in, indicate that the U.S. dollar is sort of softly uh, held up at the moment. Um, there's been, a, as we mentioned, a bit of a disappointing run in data from the U.S. over the past, few, you know, last week or so. Um, there was a weak uh, second quarter GDP report on Friday, um, weaker construction spending data, uh, I believe, on Monday. And uh, this was all, well, uh, obviously the Canadian markets were closed because we were all having a great BC day or whatever, <laughs> whatever uh, they have randomly named it in your province. Um, it seems fairly arbitrary but anyway um we'll move on uh move on to some of the big uh big headlines like we said uh selma did a wrap-up we had last week we had barrett gold report we had agnico report we had uh gold corp and kinross so so, so for canada's biggest gold producers just a quick run through barrick was barrick performed very well um gold production was actually down eight percent year on year but uh, they did generate 274 million free cash flow, which is the fifth consecutive quarter of positive SCF. So good. Barrick's coming along. Their uh, sort of <laughs> focus on higher quality assets, lower costs, et cetera, et cetera, has appeared to translate into operating results. So good on them. Agnika, we go, we can talk about them if we want, but they just keep hitting it out of the park. Um, adjusted net profit of 35 million or 16 cents per share. Uh, that beat um, analyst expectations of around 10 cents per share. Um, and they cranked out around 400, nearly 410,000 ounces of gold at all in sustaining costs of $848 per ounce. So that's sort of indicative of why they're doing well. Um, that's a really nice uh, ASIC figure. So Agnico continues to have a strong portfolio. 
Now, <laughs> Gold Corp. We talked a lot about Gold Corp because we were up in the Yukon and we were talking to them about coffee and the Rishi Kamenak acquisition. Meanwhile, at uh, HQ here in Vancouver, Gold Corp is not doing particularly well. They registered a net loss of $78 million or $0.09 cents per share. They struggled at the Cerro Negro and Penasquito Mines. Um, and we've talked a lot about their struggles with um, Kochner in Red Lake and also at the Eleanor ramp up in Quebec. Um, so there is some analyst concern about the health of Gold Corp's portfolio. Uh, and uh, the new CEO, David Garofalo, came over from HUD Bay, is enacting a bunch of um, relatively significant uh, changes in, in personnel across the company. So they're going through a bit of an adjustment period. So we will keep our eye on that as we move forward. Um, and then just finally, Kinross, uh, slightly higher production, lower costs in June, um, 671,000, just over ounces at ASIC, all in sustaining costs of $976 per ounce. So you can sort of see the disparity in ASIC between a company like Barrick, which had a very strong quarter, and Kinross, where the ASIC was a little bit higher. So that's just a quick rundown on some of the quarterlies we got last week. Um, one of the ones that I'm paying attention to is Camco, uh, Canada's uranium company just got absolutely boots put to it by a lot of analysts, um, in what was labeled by a uh, Scotiabank analyst, um, the toughest quarter in the toughest market in the last decade. Um, and that's Camco's poor fundamentals at home. So we'll take a look at that as well. I might, uh, might pop off a quick article on that cause they've been, uh, struggling the uranium spaces. Not great. U308 prices are struggling. So interesting stuff. But uh, this our uh, our quarterly earnings uh, period is continuing. It's going to be a big week. We got uh, Detour Gold, Rangold, B2 Gold, Primero, Hecla, Kirkland Lake, Lucara, Diamonds, um, all coming up this week. So this is a, a big one. If uh, if uh, if your boat is floated by quarterly results, this is the time of year for you. This is the time of year for you. Um, so, yeah, so that kind of covers some of the major headlines. Um, I'll get into a little bit more. Uh, we did see Silver Wheaton pick up uh, an additional gold stream um, from um, the Salobo Gold Project. Uh, or the Salobo, well, it's polymetallic essentially. But they got a bigger stream for another $800 million in cash. We'll talk about that a little later in the show. Um, I have some uh, analyst commentary on the valuation there and stuff. So we will look at that. But... Uh, without further ado, um, let's get into some of our uh, some of our content here that we have uh, specialty content we have saved up. Um, so what we did, uh, people have probably seen these uh, these coming across. We've done a few little miniature interviews um, just with people, you know, five to ten minutes, quick questions, uh, a little bit more bite size uh, audio morsels, <laughs> if you will, for your uh, your consumption on your commute or whatever. Um, so uh, without further ado, I do have um, a little sit down with Ben Kramer Miller, who's the chief analyst at Mining Wealth. Um, now, Ben's um, interesting because he, he has a major focus or what one of his uh, he, he describes it as an academic focus. You'll hear it in the interview. But he's very focused on uh, REEs or rare earths. Um, he has a bit of background in graphite. Of course, he covers gold and silver, etc. But um, he, he has some interesting comments on uh, rare earths specifically. And we get into it a little bit uh, on the lithium side. We talk about some of the Tesla stuff, what he thinks about uh, uh, sort of the boom in, in, uh, in, in lithium markets and things like that. So uh, without further ado, I will run this. Uh, once again, this is uh, Ben... Kramer Miller, Chief Analyst at Mining Wealth, and you can find him at miningwealth.com. Um, so yeah, we'll run this interview, and I will be back in, on the flip side. Yeah. So I, 
I do a lot of gold and silver coverage. Yeah. Um, you, you pretty much have to if you're in the yeah. uh, <laughs> space. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so we just launched in March, and I put out uh, three picks for my subscribers. Two okay. have gone public so far. One is uh, shortly going to go public. Of the, uh, the Both of the companies that have recommended publicly so far, uh, Santa Cruz Silver and Ceramic Resources, are up substantially since uh, okay. I've recommended them. Yep. Um, both companies have raised money at, at much higher prices than uh, than my recommendation price. Yep. Um, the, uh, the third company that I recommended for my subscribers is not public yet. Um, I'll be coming public with it shortly. That okay. stock has uh, risen on substantial volume since... Uh, coming out with uh, with that pick and you know I think it's gonna make people a lot of money it's a, it's a low risk play great jurisdiction um, their their costs are gonna be extremely low and uh, you know I, I think I think it's a, it's just a great story yeah and and so Ben one of the things I always like to ask news other writers because um, there's such a variety of business models and, and uh, approaches and everything what sort of do you base your analysis like what stands out to you in a company what do you look for so you know I I'll I'm open to you know most ideas out there, but yeah. you know typically I'm looking for companies that are looking to find very low cost ways into production. Okay. So, um, for instance, a uh, San- Santa Cruz Silver mm-hmm. um, recently signed a deal with a uh, a, uh, a, a group of family, and um, they have a uh, an extensive uh, vein system at, at their Veda Grande project yep. in Mexico, yep. and. They basically had all they had to do was refurbish the facility and get that up and running. It cost them just a few hundred thousand dollars. Yep. And they're going to be able to produce um, north of a million ounces of gold by uh, hopefully the end of this year. Uh, I'm sorry, a million ounces of silver, silver. by the end of yeah. uh, this year. Yeah. Yeah. So. So it's just a, a, a matter of managing risk, probably. It's, right? it's, man- it's managing risk, yeah. and it's just investing in people who are well connected and who leverage those connections. Now, yeah, and, and Ben, I'm, I do want to get into a little bit of technological metals with you because it's such a hot topic right now with the Tesla stuff going on and all that. Um, but before we do, uh, since we are sitting here in Dawson City, um, maybe just a little bit of in- uh, reflection on what you think of the tour so far and, and uh, what you think of you know some of the property, not not specifically naming any names or anything, uh, but what you just think of your general impressions of, of the Yukon geologically. And, so and first, I'm having a blast being up here. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, We're so, all yeah, having a blast. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Thanks yeah. for... Uh, yeah. For doing your part in making this happen, mm. uh, I've seen a lot of really interesting properties. Yeah. Um, now, um, from someone who, who is a manager of cost and risk, obviously, uh, some of them have infrastructure, obviously, challenges, right? So, are, yeah, yeah. When you look, so, at, yeah. So in the Yukon, well, you know, so normally I'm going to look at much smaller projects, you know, because I want to keep capex low. But in the Yukon, it seems that you want to kind of do the opposite. You want to look at bigger projects. And I'm looking for larger projects in the Yukon because of the infrastructure difficulty and, you know, your infrastructure costs relative to your uh, your revenues, you know, are obviously going to be more favorable if you have a larger project. So if you're in a place with a lot of infrastructure, like in Nevada, love small projects. Yeah. But in a place like the Yukon, you know, I think, you know, investors should focus on large projects. These are the ones that are going to create jobs that are going to really stand out to the, the regulators. And, you know, to some of the majors, um, you know, we just saw Gold Corp first and step yep. in and pick yep. up Kamenak. Heading back to uh, the technological side. Okay, so I the amount of mainstream media press, not just trade publications, but mainstream media press, lithium and Tesla and all, and the renewables are getting. I mean, from someone who's obviously familiar with the space, is this for real or what's going on there? So, 
it seems like it's for real, yeah. but I think people are getting a bit overexcited at this point. Yeah. And it's going to happen. It's just going to happen more slowly, I think, than a lot of people think. So, yeah. you know, the Tesla projections of like 500,000 cars per year yeah. by 2020, I don't see that happening. But can they sell maybe 100,000 or 150,000 cars by then? That seems reasonable, and you know, there's going to be demand for graphite, demand for lithium, demand for uh, cobalt, and you know, one that a lot of people miss is nickel. Nickel, nickel yeah. is, right. I, think, I believe, by volume, the the uh, most um, present in uh, lithium-ion batteries. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. You know, I think people should definitely look at those materials, but also be very cautious. These are not, you know, easy markets to understand. They're not traded the same way that gold and copper and silver are on, yeah. you know, you know, transparent exchanges. Um, sales and you know, sales are done by contract, and so you know, you really have to make sure that you, you know, the people who are running the company know what they're doing. Uh, there's very little experience, uh, especially in uh, things like graphite and rare earths yeah. in the in the Western world. So you know, just just you know, people have to be very careful and you know, talk to management and you know, be very skeptical looking at these companies and you know, you know. My philosophy of looking at investments is companies are guilty until proven innocent. Yeah, that's fair. That's there that's you go. Fair, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's you, really good. Especially when you're dealing with money, your own money. Yeah, be it it's, your, yeah, yeah. It's, it's your money. Treat yeah, it like it. yeah, exactly. Treat it like it. And, and so the, to the rare earths, uh, we've mentioned them a lot. You hear a little bit about them. I actually did. Uh, we we were talking about uh, Flinders Resources. Ben and I were uh, the other night. Um, so when you're looking at rare earths, maybe, I mean, from our point of view, you, you kind of have to explain it because I, I, like having covered it, I, I know some, but like, it's such a dense and sophisticated yeah. market, right? So, yeah. so rare earths, my, my bread and butter, you know, I just have a genuine academic interest in, in the space. Yeah. Um, and you know, from an investment standpoint, I don't think any other commodity is as depressed as the rare earth market. And right now, none of the proposed projects are economical. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of uh, one, which is uh, it's not a mining project; it's a uh, it's a processing project. Uh, it's a company called Medallion Resources. They're going to buy tailings mm -hmm. uh, that contain about sixty-five percent rare earths and import them to North America. Yep. And um, and process them. And you know, monazite processing is the original source of rare earths. Uh, it's been done for over a hundred years now. Uh, it's being done in India, in Brazil, in um, Possibly in small amounts in Southeast Asia. The data is very sporadic on this, so I don't want to commit myself to anything. Yeah, anything yeah, fair enough. Um, fair enough. But, you know, I think one of the key things about rare earths that people seem to be missing is that most rare earth production comes as a byproduct of something else. So, yeah. the biggest rare earth mine in the world, Bayanebo, um, in, uh, in Inner Mongolia, is an iron ore mine. Okay. And okay. the rare earths come as a byproduct. Yeah. Um, Medallion strategy is a uh, byproduct strategy. Mm -hmm. um, another interesting company, uh, uh, Tasman Metals, which is about to merge with with, uh, with Flinders. Yeah, they yep. recently announced that they have um, th th they're looking to produce uh, nepheline cyanide, which is a low value bulk material. But you know, it's very useful. It's used in ceramics, like in uh, like in bathroom fixtures and that sort of thing. So it's boring, but you know, this is a way for them to not only generate a little bit more cash flow, but to reduce their um, their uh, environmental footprint because they're okay. get, you know what would would have been in a tailings pile is now going to be sold. Oh, okay. So okay, value add, you know, value yeah, add so chain. It's, yep. Uh, yep. You know, you know, I think companies that look for approaches into the market like that are going to be winners and rare. And we're back. Um, so yeah, Ben's an interesting guy to talk to due to his uh, tilt towards um, uh, 
whether you want to call them strategic metals or um, uh, industrial niche, sort of, you know, lithium, graphite, uh, rare earth. So it's always interesting to talk to somebody who has a, a focus on that side of the business because it is very different, as we mentioned in that interview, than more of the um, traditional sectors like gold, silver, copper, etc. Um, so very interesting with the offtake agreements and valuations. Um, and uh, it's... It, Cool to get uh, insight from someone who follows that closely, especially on the rare earths. Uh, we mentioned the Flinders-Tasman merger. Um, they have the Waxna graph, uh, graphite project in Sweden, as well as a rare earth asset. So it, it's some interesting stuff to watch. Um, as we said, and as Leslie and I have discussed on uh, previous episodes, just be careful with the lithium and, and those um, very uh, unique metals because the markets are uh, sophisticated um, and uh, you really got to uh, do your due diligence, as Ben mentioned in that uh, segment. So do surf by uh, Ben's website, Ben Kramer Miller at uh, Mining Wealth. Um, you can uh, check out his stuff. It's uh, really interesting, especially if, um, uh, as he says, he does do the silver gold coverage. But if you have some interest in expanding your horizons into things like rare earths and lithium, uh, he's a good guy to uh, give a little follow to um, also on Twitter. So, um, but yeah, before we get into um, Gwen uh, Preston segment, Resource Maven, um, which I do have percolating here, uh, exciting times. Uh, but uh, I wanted to briefly touch on the valet, um, the valet silver wheat and deal that just came down today, actually. Um, so this is another uh, a streaming deal, um, but it's uh, actually an amendment on an existing stream. Um, so what happened here was that um, silver wheat had originally bought a 25% gold stream in, in valet Salobo uh, kind of copper project in Brazil. In February of 2013 for $1.33 billion. So that equates to around three years ago, they paid $388 per ounce for the stream. Um, in March 2015, Silver Wheaton bought another 25% for $900 million in Silobo. So they've been working on, obviously, Valley and Silver Wheaton have been sort of amending and expanding the stream as, as, as over the past three years, right? Um, so on the second, uh, the second deal, March 2015, they paid $277 per ounce for the gold stream from Silobo in Brazil. Today... Silver Wheaton bought another 25%, so it's up to 75% cumulative gold offtake for $800 million. Now, that's down um, to a calculation of about $253 per ounce. So, just to refresh, back in 2013, February 2013, they paid $388 per ounce for the gold. Today, they are paying $253 per ounce for that gold. Um so in exchange, uh, Valley will receive the $800 million, uh, in cash um, and also a small, uh, I think it's about $23 million in, in an option agreement. Um, but uh, so yeah, so Silver Wheaton, this is many people view uh, this stream as sort of their crown jewel stream. It's a big uh, long life mine, etc. So it's um, interesting to see that uh, we, we have, as I mentioned, gone into some of the cash positions of the streamers and royalty companies recently and they are still holding on to a nice <laughs> a nice amount of capital whether you're looking at franco who has done more deals recently or silver wheaton um some of this uh on the junior side you have sandstorm gold who is uh, has been doing some interesting stuff um they recently picked up a royalty from tech if uh, people remember the tech basket they bought uh, i think it was earlier this year they got an interesting project in turkey called the hot madden project and they're hitting some banging grades over there now that is uh 
partially held by a Turkish company, I think operated by a Turkish company. Um, so, and it is not traded on the TSX. So, um, the, the, uh, the, the non-Turkish interest is not traded on the TSX. It used to be, I believe in a company called Aegean Metals, but yeah, they have since, they are no longer traded, uh, in Toronto. So interesting stuff, but, but that's an interesting one for Sandstorm Gold. If you want exposure to an interesting looking gold project in Sweden, where they're hitting some awesome grades, um, I think it's gold copper. That's an interesting way to go about doing it because Sandstorm does hold a uh, royalty, I believe, on that project. So that was just a, a, an interesting little deal that Sandstorm did uh, that might have flown under the radar. But getting off streaming for a moment, we will uh, go into our uh, segment with Gwen Preston, Resource Maven. And people probably all, all know Gwen just because uh, she did work with me for around two years. She's been with the she was with the Northern Miner for about five. Um, so we'll touch base with her and, uh, talk a little bit about, um, coming off the, coming off the, uh, bear market or the terrible market we've seen, uh, we had seen over the past few years. Uh, she started her newsletter, uh, right in the midst of it. Um, so we'll have a good conversation about, um, about, uh, what it's been like coming into what appears to be a new bull possibly. Um, we've had that discussion lots. Uh, if anybody wants to go back to our at the bar, Mickey Fulp digs into, uh, sort of his criteria for, uh, when we're actually going to hit the bull market, it involves, uh, spoilers. It involves, uh, more cash, uh, going around in M&A deals, uh, versus all share deals, which we've seen a lot of recently. But, uh, yeah, in this segment, we'll get in with Gwen just a little bit about, um, how she analyzes companies, her focus on the people involved, which is, uh, an interesting, um, an interesting conversation. Uh, Leslie will be uh, you hear 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 from Leslie in this one because she sort of uh, frontline the uh, the segment here. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's dig into our resource Maven Gwen Preston interview. Um, I will run that and I will see you on the other side. At this point, I mean, I'm still pretty early in this business, but mm -hmm. really, my process has a lot to do with the state of the cycle. Yeah. So over the 15 months before the market started to get better, like in late 2014 and through 2015, I focused a lot on how you could make money even though things were terrible. So yeah. seasonality or news flow events or um, so taking advantage of those yeah. to grab your 30% when you could. Get margins. Yeah. Now, of course, yeah. um, the market has changed. And so now it's a matter of sort of working through the stages of a new bull market. You know, the senior producers go first and then the mid-tiers. That's right. And then at different points, you have to start paying close attention to the near-term development stories or the most exciting exploration stories or the really early exploration stories who still haven't really gotten their toehold into financings yeah. and whatnot yet. The story's yet. not fully developed. Mm -hmm. right. So yeah. that's the process first. People, however, is equally important. Like the project has to be the right stage and has to have all the characteristics that matter: jurisdiction, grade, simplicity, metallurgy, all that stuff. Yeah. But people is really key. So there's what also do you mean by people is really key? Are you talking about their experience, their background? So some of that for sure, you need to have the right assembly. So like you need to have the technical people who the geologists who are approaching it with the right uh, mind frame um, and who are open to talking to other geologists and getting new ideas and figuring it out because it's always complicated. Yeah. But then you also need to have a president who can get out there and tell the story in a way that people want to hear. So they're not some slick promoter, but they're also not... You know, well, we saw this with the Kamenak situation. A right? sticky c accountant or yeah. a geologist. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Ira, Ira Thomas yeah. 
took yeah. that story and made it huge. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it had a lot of potential of its own accord, but yeah. Ira was really important to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you need to have you know a corporate development team who really takes care of your share structure, and you need to. There's a lot of things that the people have to create in order for a success to happen. So experience is part of it, but you just sort of have to see that the team will work. I kind of love that you look at it from such a broad spectrum of saying, you know, where are we at in the cycle? Because that's going to dictate who's going to be moving or not. And then all of a sudden you go ahead and you look at the different management team, good geologists, good like finance guys or women or whoever. And then when it comes to a property, I mean, what specific kind of property do you like? Do you like Goldmore, Silvermore? Or just a flight to quality, really? I mean, quality. Certainly, the focus has been more on gold, because what's hot right now? People want to hear about gold, silver, and lithium, to be blunt. (laughs) Um, So, yes, I've been talking a lot about gold, silver, and lithium, but that I also have copper exposure. I also have zinc exposure and want more. I have uranium exposure, because I'm a huge uranium bull. Cool. But those things, there's still more time. Like, you don't need to, except for a... An incredible story like Next Gen, you don't need to have jumped on uranium yet. Yeah. That that story is still developing. So right. it really is a matter of, you know, subscribers want things that are timely. They want to understand sort of why you're making a move. And when you make a recommendation, they kind of want it to respond in a reasonable time frame or else they sort of lose confidence. So that's yeah. part of that whole, you know, seizing the, the moment and sort of figuring out what the moment is asking for. Um, yeah, we'll see yeah. how it all works out. Well, just to, we, we should pay a little bit of... Uh, homage here because we are in Dawson, beautiful Dawson City and beautiful the Yukon Dawson, yeah. and the Yukon Mining Alliance and they're all great people they show us a good time. Gwen's probably one of the few people here who's been on this tour as many This times. is my fifth time up yeah, to the Yukon. I've done go. this trip many yeah, times yeah. and I love it. Um, so before we go into anything else, I mean, um, maybe just a little bit of of color on what you think of as the Yukon as a jurisdiction yeah, and, totally. uh, um, you know, uh, do you follow the territory? Sure. And, and yeah. And, I love Yukon as a jurisdiction. Yeah. I think from a political and social perspective, Yukon is one of the best out there. It's really, really a good place to try and do, to do business. Yeah. And geologically, obviously very prospective as well. A lot of questions that we don't have answers to yet. Mm-hmm. So young in terms of an exploration history, despite the Placer backstory. Yeah, totally. It's still really young. So brand new almost. Um, it's too bad that the 2010-2011 Yukon gold craze caused yeah. so much money to be wasted because I think investors still have a bit of a bad taste in their mouth from that that frenzy. Um, so that's something that the that this jurisdiction still has to work off. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will. You know, Gold Corp coming in and taking out Kamenak helps. Um, we were chatting with uh, someone from Gold Corp just this morning who was really surprisingly blunt in his statements about how... What, they want to establish a camp up here. I know. It was incredible. incredible. It was amazing. And I have the first ever interview with Gold Corp on Friday. On Friday, yeah. Cool. Um, so if I can get that on record, that would be really That would good. be great. Right. So yes. we'll see what he says to me. <laughs> yes. He's riding on the bus is one thing when I have a microphone, microphone in his face. Yeah. We'll see what he's going to say. I don't know. Say, he seemed yeah. pretty open Keep about the microphone it. in your pocket, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep no, it in your pocket. You see, that's how you get yourself in real big trouble. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I love the jurisdiction. Yeah. There's cool. some great projects. Um, that you know, The whole jurisdiction needs a little more momentum because of that that bad taste aspect, but it'll happen for sure. So yeah. it's a good time to get on board. And of course, we have the Yukon Mining alliance who's so great mm-hmm. to like pull this off today they're so proactive and they're and definitely it's not something that you see it's a bit of a community here right now and, and yeah. that's all we need in order to kind of it is really unusual to see this going. level of cooperation amongst right? companies so yeah. it's cool yeah it's awesome. great up awesome. here well, and here we are so 
again, I'd just like to thank Gwen Preston and Ben Kramer Miller for joining us. Those are great little segments. Um, and uh, it's always interesting. I like to interview and talk to newsletter writers because they all tend to have a slightly different take on on um, on their models, on on the anal- an- an- analysis. There's the word. Um, uh, and so it's interesting to talk to them because uh, just to get a little bit of insight on on uh, what they look for in companies and things like that. As we heard, Gwen's very uh, likes to really look at the people. Um, and as we know, um, anyone who's listened to the show, I mean, it, there are uh, repeat successes and, and certain teams that you do follow along because they 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 have been proven. And you know the track record and and uh, being in the right, not just being in the right place at the right time, but knowing what to do with the discovery once you made it. Um, so it's interesting to talk to people um, on the newsletter side. Um, and uh, yeah, so th- thanks again to uh, Gwen and Ben um, for providing us with some great, uh, great little content here uh, uh, with Leslie out of town and everything. Now, don't worry. Um, next week or this week, I should say, uh, we will be returning to our regularly scheduled show. Uh, Leslie and I are both back in office, so we will be recording a normal, well, I won't want to say normal, but the typical Northern Minor podcast this week, which will be plopped down on Monday. Oh, plopped. That's a terrible... <laughs> It's a terrible, uh, terrible way to put that, uh, which will be shot out of a cannon aggressively at you on Monday morning. Uh, um, so we will be back uh, to our regular schedule of programming. Um, but that being said, uh, we are playing around with the podcast format a little bit. You might have noticed um, the minor moments, as mentioned, which are more bite-sized interviews. Uh, we're trying to incorporate more guest hosts, and uh, we've heard Mickey Falp do a lot of really good content with us over the past month. Um so this also serves as a bit of a call out um, to people in the industry. Uh, if you're interested in getting going beyond uh, the traditional print element of the Northern Meyer, we are working more on um, audio interviews and video will be coming into play as we move ahead here. But right now, uh, we do have the ability to produce pretty good audio content, and we're interested in doing that in a storytelling format with people around the business. So if you want to sit down with me um, and have, well, I wouldn't call it a fireside chat, but or a hilarious interview or whatever, if you have an odds and sods, um, if you have a good story, if you have a good uh, you know new technology, anything that's really cool, like we talked to Ben about REEs, if you have a, a something that you think a story that would present well in this format, we can just sit down have a chat and uh, provide some really cool content for people who follow us on in the business. So this is a call out if you are an analyst, a newsletter writer, a CEO, um, basically a geologist, anyone who's involved in our business and you think you have a really cool story um, that would fit well with this format, with this sort of audio storytelling format, then uh, please do reach out. Um, I'm always available and my gear is pretty portable. So we could uh, always come to you. Um, And we are looking for more of those sort of um, sort of those quick hit bite sized interviews to bring that that value um, to everybody in the business, really, whether you're an investor or a prospector or any any level, we we just want to want to really add that sort of storytelling element uh, to our business and to our paper. So do please do reach out. Um, and, uh, you can follow me at Matthew Keeble on Twitter. Um, follow us all at Northern minor on Twitter. Um, and please do, uh, do continue to listen because we will have some exciting stuff moving forward. Um, so yeah, so that sort of wraps up our show for this week. Um, so this has been Matthew Keeble on the Northern minor podcast, and we thank you so much for listening. <laughs>